The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Welcome back to Civil Diligence. Politics made simple for the everyday millennial and why you should give a damn. You know how I am. And today I have a special guest. He's an old friend. I'm saying that you're a friend like, you know what? We seen each other in person and all that stuff like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I want to welcome back the Black Detours founder. Jay Colby, say hello to the peeps one time for the fun time. Hello, everybody, and I just want to thank you again for having me back for another time, so I appreciate it. You know, I'm kind of sort of like realizing and thinking that we pretty much, you might be like a distant co-host of the show because there are like a lot of issues that I necessarily want to talk about, and you're quite informative, sir, so... Like I said, there might be another time. So, yeah, I told you, any time that you want to come back on the show or any time where I really just text you an idea, if you want to come on the show and want to talk about it, I said that you could talk about it, and here we are. Yeah, I'm definitely open to that, so let's let's get into it. Right, let's get into it. So, I hope everybody is well in the kingdom, being great, being fascinating, and all that jazz. If you have been following me this past, like, month, you know, the last time I had the flu because the Midwest sucks. Now I sound 100% better, guys. So, I hope everybody is doing well and staying healthy. As you all know, I like to go into disclaimers before I start a show. One, I curse. Two, I will mess up the English language. Three, we won't see eye to eye, but we can be respectful, still have the conversation, and keep it moving. Four, I'm in the kingdom. That is my qualifications on speaking on today. And lastly, by the time you listen to this episode, sorry, uh, things might change. So keep that in mind when you listen. What we're here for this week is a segment that brings you utter joy that has happened within the last week or the previous time that we have talked. Jay, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You know, at this moment of time, yeah. like I tell people who stay at my home, you have one time to be a guest. Other than that, once you have had that one time, you're no longer a guest. So you could go first if you want. I will let you go first, you know, ladies first, you know, of my course. southern hospitality. <laughs> of course you would let me go first. But anyway, what I'm here for this week is there's a lot of mess that's happening in politics lately, more so with the ending of this Mueller investigation. And although that does give me utter joy, and first off, I do want to say that we're probably all going to be shitty faced because of this because orange cheeto will probably still be in office and like i told other people and you all still look at me like i have five heads yeah i don't think that you know the democrats are gonna pull through like that to beat him out so i'm pretty sure he's gonna be in the second term but that's not what i'm here for this week what i'm here for is the fallout due to the state of emergency why am I here for this? And before somebody says, oh, you're so petty. You just, you're a liberal. You want to see him fail. I 
actually don't want to see Orange Cheeto fail because like I told you all last time, if he fails, we all look like a bunch of dumbasses. But, and I genuinely don't like seeing people fail. I'm the type of person that I really want to see even my own enemy succeed because what does that look like? That proved me wishing harm on another person. They ain't got really nothing to do with me. So I don't want to see him fail. The reason why I am enjoying this fallout is because I didn't expect it to get to this magnitude. I really, really did not. <laughs> I thought that people were going to be okay. He's on board with it because there are other presidents who have done a state of emergency and I don't remember it being to this magnitude. So I just never thought that it would blow up where 16 states is going to file for um, a lawsuit. So I thought that was um, pretty uh, interesting. And the fact that everybody across both sides of the aisle thinks that this is stupid. Hmm. I didn't think that people would agree that this is stupid. I don't agree with the calling of state of emergency. I think it's stupid because I don't think that we have a real state of emergency issue. I do think we have a problem at the border, but I don't think that it is a whole holistic issue that, you know, we have to call a state of emergency. I think it's a smart chess move do anything necessary to save your base because at this moment of time that's all he got because that's what he ran on so i don't know why people are calling it or thinking this is such a surprise that he's going to this magnitude of levels and he called the state of emergency so we wouldn't go into another shutdown so i get it it was a smart play stupid reason but it was a smart play. However, I am appreciating the debates on CNN. I'm appreciating the debates on Fox News. I'm appreciating the debates on MNBS, whatever that liberal show is. I get the um, acronym mixed up. And I'm appreciating my phone blowing up every five minutes with a news head, um, a news head clip. So, hey, I'm here for the nonsense, mainly because... This will go down in history as something that, wow, we live to see the day. Like, our children will study this in history class. Man, what a time to be alive. What a time. So that's what I'm here for. What are you here for this week, Jay? Well, this week I'm here for celebrating the life of the great, the infamous black leader that we ever had was Malcolm X. Malcolm X was, was assassinated February 21st, 1905. He meant for the black ideas. Not necessarily saying I agree with all his ideas, but to say him putting that out in the universe and having us the opportunity to think for ourselves, in which I know he was very key on critical thinking and reading and learning are very important for today with the black community. So that's what I'm here for this week, celebrating the life of Malcolm X. Okay, okay. This is the month of Black History Month. So, yeah, gotta love it which some people will argue that Black History Month is 365 days a year, which it is, because you can't turn off being black. And you should celebrate the leaders like that. That is awesome. If you all want to tell me what you're here for this week, you can email civildiligence at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. And be great and have that conversation. 
moving on to the gist. So the reason why I think some of you all may be wondering why is Jay even on here is because I wanted to have the conversation about voter suppression. We are getting into another political season, another campaign season. Next year will be going even further into the campaign season and seeing who's going to be the president of the United States, whether or not it will be Cheeto Puff again, or whether or not it will be somebody else. And I think that it's important to know that voter suppression is still real. And I wanted to have that conversation really last year while the debate were going on but I'm like hey why not let's do it in Black History Month YOLO that's the reason why I asked Jay to be on here because I think that he has some good insight in it and it would be a better episode to have a part another person chiming in other than you all hearing my voice which I know you all love so much <laughs> so so I just wanted to go into giving like a brief like history on voter suppression for people who may not know or may not believe that voter suppression is still alive and well today. Basically, if it isn't a shock that the U.S. has history of voter suppression all the way back since the beginning of time. Voting suppression begins really when had like the right to vote in the United States of America or when the rights to vote became a question um, to vote in America. So basically during the makeup of the constitution, I think it's important to note that although Jim Crow segregation ended 70 years ago or around about 70 years ago, my math is off. My major was not in mathematics, but I'm going to say that it's 70 years ago. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but voting suppression is still a problem. And you definitely saw a lot of that in the midterm election in some States. It is important to note that the right to vote is not in the Constitution, and that's where a lot of people get that construed. We technically don't have a right to vote in the Constitution. It doesn't state that. However, the 17th Amendment does give us that right to directly elect our senators and representatives, but we don't directly elect our president. It's the Electoral College which is a problem in a, of itself. Now, the argument can be made that the Constitution only allowed white men to vote in certain free slave, freed slaves who earned property. However, again, nothing new. Minorities, Black, Latinos, Asian, even uh, some Italians, women and people whose religion were not Christians could not vote. After the Civil War, slaves were free, so for a brief stint, they could vote. Nevertheless, conservative Democrats, a.k.a. Dixiecrats, and I think that also gets, like, mixed up into our history because Democrats were trash at one point in time, and depending on your ideology, you can still say that Democrats are trash. Or you can say all politicians are trash. I'll let that be up to you. But they were the people opposing slavery, and they were the people that were opposing voting rights. And they created a series of laws geared towards suppressing the black vote. Thus, Jim Crow laws were born. And... <coughs> Oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm dying. Oh, my God, Jesus. That almost took me out. So, 
from literacy <laughs> tests and to poll tests, there were many laws geared towards suppressing blacks from voting until the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And so we fast forward to today. Child, God, I'm dying. <laughs> 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 oh, we got <laughs> Okay. I'm back and I'm better. Okay, so we fast forward to today. You can see in Georgia, Georgia has the exact match law to suspend like 53,000 voters registration applications. If you have a name that's missing like a hyphen or it's from your surname and you got remarried and it doesn't reflect on your license or whatever you did when you registered to vote at that time, if your name does not match your identification, you're not voting. And that caused a lot of problems, I know, in Georgia. And that's the reason why some of the controversy when they did for governor was so prevalent because of this law. I know Indiana, they passed a law to not improve voting rights for some people. I know that in New Hampshire, they have pass a bill that appears to be direct in deterring students to vote. And the list goes on and on. Like the Kentucky House passed the bill restricting access to absentee voting. And you might not think that these are prevalent and big, but if you look at the population that this affects, you have the argument that it still affects minorities today, especially black voters. And the list can go on and on about how many states do this. I think I did a count like 16 states still have laws that oppress voters and it can ultimately affect voter participation. I guess I wanted to start the conversation out with, hey, like, do you see it? I know you're from Texas, Jay. Do you, do you see it in Texas? That is no lie, a Republican state. <laughs> yes, but definitely. Historically, definitely. Historically. Mm -hmm. Historically and a segregated state, if you wanted to be yes. honest. Oh, yeah. But I also find it so interesting that they're not the like the majority is not the majority in all totality. It's the minority in most cities. Yeah, in most major cities, it's the minority because the Hispanic uh, or Latina X uh, people are you know taking over this state and are becoming the majority. I believe they're the majority now in this state, just a little bit above white, or if not, they're close to it. Do you see it in your state or really your city? Because I wouldn't yeah. say that you have it in the whole state because you don't live in the whole state. <laughs> I mean, for what I, the research I've done and what I've just noticed in my own voting and being in the area I'm in, I'm in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And just the redistricting is more the major problem there. And I see also uh, the laws when it comes to voter ID when you go to vote. And, you know, a lot of those laws when you go to vote can be discriminatory and it had been proven in certain, you know, courts, but it haven't been up to, you know, to the Supreme Court to be able to change it as of now. But that's some of the things I've noticed that is a very systemic problem that we have in the state of Texas, because in the state we have a lot of people who may not speak English. And a lot of times when you go to vote, they don't always have an interpreter there or you can't always bring someone in with you to interpret with you sometimes because of the laws or certain things or certain requirements that has to be done ahead of time before you even go to vote that some people don't know or wasn't informed of when they was filling out their registration. 
And so with that being said, I, that's what I've noticed in, this, in the state of Texas because I've seen a lot of people who, who attempt to go vote, and when they go, they don't know the certain laws or the, the identification laws, especially because that really affects it. Because you might not know, well, I don't have a proper ID or this ID, or I need to have this to go vote, and they don't really know that. And what they properly need to actually go and cast their vote. And I so think that's, that's what I've noticed. And I think that's fucked up because for a multitude of reasons, because... I hate, and I feel this way about any certain kind of laws, is the majority of Americans don't go and read the shit. Don't go or know where to go to read the new laws that have passed. These states, these police officers, or just in totality, anything that has to do with a new law, they tell you, this is a law. Well, how the hell was I supposed to know? Well, you were supposed to go and blah, 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 blah. They don't tell you that shit. So with voting laws or what have you, when people go up to vote, they don't know what the hell just got passed. But also, too, the people who pass the laws don't make it a valid effort to educate people to do it. I also believe that is a setup as well, but that's just my personal opinion. I believe it's a setup. Because they know certain populations or they know certain people won't go out their way to do some research. They know that. And I believe that that's a smart way, bogus way, but it's a smart way to definitely have people not vote, not have their voices heard. So I think that's fucked up. Yeah, that's a major issue because a lot of people, they feel like it is somewhat a conspiracy how they, you know, redistrict certain areas or they district you after this area and they do it for systemic reason. A lot of people feel and they feel like they're trying to suppress the vote. A lot of people feel like it's coming from the Republican Party, and, and even some may feel like in different states maybe feel like it's coming from the Democratic Party, maybe on both sides. But I, especially in the state of Texas, I know a lot of people feel like it's coming from the Demo- I mean, the Republican Party. They feel like the Republican Party is trying to suppress the vote, and especially in those cities down in South Texas where it's a majority, like the whole city is basically Hispanic or Latinx. And so, with that being said, they feel like down there they're very much so suppressing the vote. And I wonder in the state of that we're in, especially with the border wall, like I said, if it's even more of a setup, <laughs> like I think, or whether or not they pass laws in like the last few years to do that for the Latino vote, because just the way that people are talking about, about Latinos. And I'm like, and mind you, these people, these people are American citizens. That's the fucked up part about it. Like, damn, I'm American just like you, and you got an issue with me. But that's racism at its finest. You tell if y'all just want to keep it real like that. So, I love how people say that you that you know racism or is it real? But you can't deny fact and law that deter people away when a law or you know a policy affects a certain population and I love when people tell me that oh it depends on the situation but yeah it may depend on the situation it may depends on the person or whatever but you can't tell me why we have such an influx of black men or black people getting affected by these laws you can't tell me otherwise it's a very much systemic problem because I, like I say all the time, you have to look, the problem is not just about voting, it's about, so why can't I understand the laws? Why can't I understand the policies or the new things that are going on? Because I'm not being properly educated from the public school system. So if I come from a poor public school system and as I become an adult, 
If nobody teaches me at this point, or if I don't seek the information for myself, how would I know? And we know the average person reads at a seventh grade level. And so with that being said, that's the average person across the board reads at a seventh grade level. So with that being said, if I read at a seventh grade level, how am I supposed to understand the policies and new things that are going on, especially when we live in a day and time where a lot of people are focused on just making it day to day, just making making their rent, making their payments, making, you know, make sure they have some food for their kids and for themselves. And so with that being said, a lot of people put policy and all the new laws behind they, you know, the back of their mind until it comes to the forefront, like like we're talking about today with voter suppression. And then they're like, oh, well, yeah, what is voter suppression? Like, most of the American public, just the regular people, may may heard of the term before recently, but don't really understand the nuances or what it really does to their vote. They just know that I vote, if I did vote, I voted for this person. If I didn't vote, well, I couldn't vote. They wouldn't let me vote, so I went home. <laughs> Do you think that affects voter participation? Because I know a lot of people, especially in the black community, or even like just minority community in general, and even some in like, well, minority community, because I can only really necessarily speak for that. But I know that certain individuals are like, why fucking vote at all? My vote doesn't count, especially when they're doing shady shit like this. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> it's definitely a population of those people who feel like voting doesn't matter. And not suppressed, but even if they do vote, it's not really going to move the needle, right? And I think, you know, like you said, with voter suppression, they're holding back the vote anyway. Why would I vote? They don't want me to vote. I feel like the politician not going to do anything for me really anyways. So why go vote in the first place? Why even go cast my vote? I could be doing something better. Or I could just be chilling or relaxing or at work or whatever the case may be instead of going and trying to vote because they're they going to suppress my vote. And if I do vote, the politician or whoever we get into office is not going to really do nothing for my community or my people anyway. And that's the thought process I feel like a lot of people have in this this new technology age where we can kind of see more opinions of how people feel through social media and different online platforms. Right. I mean, and we and you have talked about it that, you know, voting isn't the end all be all. Now, I agree with that. I agree. And it takes a lot more to be effective in the communities. So I totally understand that. I mean, me and you also differ the importance of voting, I was to say, because I'm like, our ancestors fought for it. We should at least do it. That's my whole thing. Like, Can I push back on that a little bit? Go ahead. That's that's why we're here. Let's, let's have it. Let's go. Push back on that a little bit. So when you say our ancestors died for it, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't believe that our ancestors died for us to for us to just vote. Or us to, I feel like they died for us to, us to maybe have the opportunity to vote. Not to say that you have to vote or that's what the right thing to do. Because at that time in history, when they was dying to vote, they believed at that time in history that that was the best way to garner change. If you listen to a lot of their rhetoric or if you read anything of, of people who actually was alive at that time, that's that's the, that's the kind of message they was disseminating. They were really saying that they was dying or risking their lives for the fact that, oh, everybody can vote all down the line. Just vote, you no know, aimlessly. No, they voting for a reason. And they had a very strategic plan in their vote. And they was, and obviously, it, it was a different time, too, with black people. We was more, you know, united in the sense of we all kind of lived in the same community because we was forced, right? Because we were segregated at the time. But even though that was the case, there's still the messaging with, oh, well, they died for us to vote. And so you just go vote blindlessly. I don't feel like that's the that's the message we need to send to people. I, however, I do understand the big sacrifice they did make, but I feel like more so their sacrifice was giving us the opportunity to vote. 
to leave at least allowing us to vote to see what was the best plan of action for us at this time. Because that, you know, time time have changed. Not saying that we shouldn't vote, but time have changed from that time when they was fighting for us to vote. And I would say if they could see maybe the future or what was going to happen in the future, maybe they're not saying they wouldn't have fought for us the right to vote, but maybe their planning or what they would have really fought for would have been different if they could have saw, you know, 2020 vision in a sense. So Merp. that's what I would have to push back a little bit on that. Merp, I don't that. I was with you. I really was. I was with you until that last statement. I was. I was like, okay, fine. Okay. Okay, great. I understand that you know you shouldn't blindly vote. J- don't don't vote. And this has been a debate like for a few months now. When I put out, especially with a lot of black uh, politicians coming forward, running Muslim women coming out being politicians, women coming out and being politicians, more people of that caliber coming out and me saying that I'm excited to see these people run because they're black or because they're women. And that's not the end all be all. I full heartedly agree. Just don't vote just to vote. You should research who you're voting for because that vote matters it only takes one vote to tip the damn scale because i saw that here in the state of illinois with congressman what's his face ronnie davis is it ronnie davis some white man right it's ronnie davis and his opponent lottigan their skin lot again um and she only lost by one vote she didn't contest it but she only lost by one vote and that matters one vote matters so i hate when people say oh i don't have a voice i don't have that now i agree you shouldn't blindly vote you should at least know who the hell you're voting for because again you know this person may be look like you, may talk like you, but you all's ideas and ideologies are completely different. May want to take your damn money, test feed it to corporations. You never know. So I understand that. And I will agree with you on that, that our ancestors probably did not fight or die to have us blindly vote. But I also don't believe oh, that if, the, okay, if they... I was going to say, or they didn't fight for us to vote at all. I mean, of course, at that time, that was the move of action. Of course, it was to vote, but I don't think they necessarily was fighting just for us to just, oh, well, we, they, at that time, my thinking was voting was really going to change and, and, and change the scales for us as a people. And if you look at us statistically, unfortunately, since that time from to now, we pretty much don't went down. We haven't went up. We have been going down as a collective, right? Now, we do see those people who I like to call, you know, like a water bottle, you know, they slipped out the water bottle, who are very successful, because we do got more black millionaires than we ever had before. We do got a few black people on TV, and we do got black people in movies and different things like that, which wasn't before, and that's great. However, as a collective, as a group, we're not doing, you know, at the same numbers, and I feel like that's why a lot of people feel like, well, why vote? Because we've been voting for 50 years, and nothing has happened. Now, I don't believe that to be true, but I'm just speaking for the people who believe that, because I feel like a lot of times their voice is not always articulated in a way that people can understand why they feel like they shouldn't vote or the vote doesn't matter or it doesn't actually, you know, result in a, you know, a positive, uh, you know, result. Okay. 
okay, and this goes back to it not being the end-all, be-all. And I get it that we are living in different times and whatnot. But however, too, my whole thing is this. I don't think that we shouldn't just vote at all. I don't think that they fought or did this for us not to do anything. No, no, no. But here's the thing. A lot of people who don't vote also don't do anything. That's the thing about this. So what, what else are you doing? And I don't think that we, like I say, we went through years of suppression and we have, we're still fighting this suppression to just not do anything. That's the thing about hey, you know what, what it is. Ain't, ain't know what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people, you're right, that don't vote and don't do anything. And I see people who vote who don't do anything. I feel like a lot of us don't know what to do other than vote. So they feel like we're voting doesn't do. So what else can I do? And if I do vote, what else can I do? Because nobody really knows what to do after you vote. That's why I think the big problem coming because what can I do? Because nobody has really organized the people to really say, okay, we're going to vote and then we're going to do this. It's like, we're going to vote and then everybody go away. And then also too, we also look at that person, that politician as the Messiah. So I understand it because that what's happened in 2008. And I get it and the argument is now, especially that I see with Kamala Harris, that what are you going to do for black people? What are we going to do for black people? Shit. If you want, if you want to go there, question. I mean that's a valid question. But it's, see, it tips the scales and say, well, then you say, well, what are black people going to do for black people? But however, a lot of people argue will say, well, the times that black people have done for black people, the the, the country or some people in the country uh, burned it down, killed it, ended it. So that's what some people argue. Now, me personally, I feel that that black people do need to do for themselves and not just look for a politician or a leader or anybody to do for themselves. They should do for themselves and their people in their own community. Because I think that's also that's the difference the- between, I'm sorry to cut you up, but I think that's the difference between our generation and back in the 1960s. These people did it themselves. However, though, you got to remember, just like today, we they had a unique time that where they... It was something that was going on, which they was getting beat by police. Same thing like today, getting beat by police, not being able to eat at certain places. It kind of riled people up, and it had been kind of festering for a while because a lot of people don't know the civil rights movement was festering in the 40s and 30s and 20s. It was already... Yeah, it was already festering. They was already kind of getting... They they really wanted to do the march... A lot of people don't know, but they really wanted to do the march on Washington in the 40s. They actually went to the president at the time. I can't remember his name. It's for not remembering it. Truman. Yeah, Truman. Thank you. It was Truman. And they went to him and tried to have... And he told them, no, you know, don't do it. They gave him a couple of concessions to not to do the march on Washington at that time. And then 20 years later, they ended up doing it in 63. But with that being said, it was already festering. So I feel like people was in, in a direction that they wanted to do something. And they, they kind of got to their heartstrings. That, okay, let's do something. Let's go ahead and do something and that's what i feel like is happening today people i want to do something but i think today we don't have we don't have enough organizers we got a lot of leaders and that's the problem because a leader can get everybody together when something going wrong and talk and have all the talking points but we don't have nobody to say you know we're gonna organize and do this and this and this and that because that's and what I martin luther king and malcolm x did they was great organizer not just leader this is true and i think the black lives matter movement started off and tried to do that but again too this goes into another line there's so many chiefs and not enough indians sometimes you just need to sit back or come come together as a collective yeah because i think i i think one problem with with the black lives matter movement which was they did a great trying to do this but they try to gather people and make it a a a leaderless group right they try to make it where it's just a black lives matter just gonna be black lives matter which is great ideally but with people especially our people we usually look for a leader or at least a group of people that we could look for and be like okay you gonna what we going next not just this uniformity of oh this black lives matter thing and that's why a lot of times people feel like now it may still be doing great work 
in their local chapters that they have, but a lot of people feel like they're kind of going away. Yes, it just has a name. Because you don't hear about them doing anything anymore. We still have the same damn problems, but you don't hear about them doing anything anymore. And I think because, I mean, in a lot of ways, you do need, like, that point person. Or you do need at least more organization. And I think that is a that is a problem with movements today. And I think, honestly, like, if you want to go to a movement on today's age, I mean... The me hashtag me T movement has been a movement because people are coming together as a collective. And I think I think that's what they tried to do with Black Lives Matter. I feel like, like I said, not saying the ball is dropped because, like I said, they're probably doing great work in their local, you know, their local chapters that they have. However, as a national group, a lot of people feel like they dropped the ball because I think a lot of people wanted Black Lives Matter to be more than what it actually was meant to be for. It was meant to just focus on police brutality. It wasn't meant to fix all the problems of the black America or even some of the problems. It was, that was it was focused on police brutality specifically, which was great. And it gathered a lot of people together. However, a lot of people looked at it, seen a lot of flaws because it was like, well, y'all not tackling these other issues that we actually can may fix. Because unfortunately, police brutality is a, is a huge systemic issue that it's going to be harder to even tackle that in a, uh, you know, a specific way. Right. And I think we look at some of these other people like, you know, Colin Kaepernick, who was who was prominent in like, you know, kneeling for a stance and taking a cause in the matter of police brutality. We're looking at these people, but I'm like, let's also be real. I look at Colin Kaepernick like a Rosa Parks. That's what I look at that. I'm like not saying Rosa Parks wasn't monumental because she also that helped kickstart change like I said it was that one instance but it was like one of those things that instance where I'm like I'm not supporting this shit and then really if you want to be honest like Rosa Parks is just tired the fuck am I gonna stand for no I'm not gonna do that fuck you if I gotta go to jail I gotta go to jail and I feel like Colin Kaepernick is the same way like I said I'm I'm not standing for this national anthem I don't think it applies to me Fuck you. Yep. I do what I want. And then it was just the repercussions. And then it started off as like a national conversation. Definitely. But yeah. you're right. Because people don't do about, okay, we voted. Now what? They don't worry about the now what? Because it takes a lot more than just one man or woman to change a systematic problem that's been around for decades. Well, not decades, yeah. centuries. So yeah. I think that. We need to actually, and I will still be a full proponent in voting because I think that it's a start, but it's certainly not the end-all, be-all. And I think when we go back, because I know that we probably much just went into a whole tangent, <laughs> a tangent off of voting suppression, but I think when we look at voting suppression and look at the problems of that, I'm like, I really, it breaks my heart when I see people like, I don't want to fucking vote at all because it's it's just going to like harm me. And I would think that, I would hope that that will fuel the fire to promote change. And that's the thing I think is a different, if it affected me, I'm about to be pissed. Me being the type of person I am, and I can only speak for Siobhan L. Starling. If I felt like my rights is wronged, if I felt wronged in any way, I'm going to find solutions to make it right. That's just the type of person that I am. I'm like, if I felt wrong, you're, you're damn skippy. Some people can say it's manipulative. Some people can say that it's an eye for an eye. Fuck y'all. I don't care. I'm, it is what it is. But if I'm wrong, oh, y'all gonna hear my damn voice. Oh, no. Y'all gonna hear it. 
because I just feel like if it's happening to me, it's happening to others. And if nobody says something, all it really takes is one to say something, but it takes more people to make a movement, to make change. Because I'll just say one thing, if it was just one or two black people back in the civil rights movement saying that this shit's bogus and it didn't turn into a movement, an organized movement at that, then I don't think much shit would have been changed and we still would be colored versus white. Yeah, because definitely, I mean, it was more, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. It's not just about being a leader. We got to have organizers to get people together because it's about gathering people. You cannot have a leader if you don't got nobody to lead. But a lot of people want to be a leader, but no following. And actually people following you like to go where you're going to go. And, and I understand too, because now a lot of people don't feel like I need to lead. I do myself. Because we don't have the same atrocities and same thing. Because now we live in a time where if I do make enough income, I do live in a nice neighborhood, I feel like my life is seemingly well. Because a lot of people argue that you're arguing with America and, and your plight other than obviously everybody feels the police brutality if you're a black person in America but other issues you might not feel because I live in a nice neighborhood I have a nice career I'm married I have good family like I don't have those issues that those people live who live in those avenues have so me I kind of done rose myself up a little bit so I was like I don't really have concern to even be involved which is different from the civil rights movement where we all had to live in the same community even if you was a doctor lawyer whatever you was a professor you still had to live where I live you still had to deal with the systemic problems that I had to deal with Regardless if I'm a janitor, if I'm a bus boy, if I just clean the local street. That reminds me of this like Dr. Phil special on this teenage. I don't know if she was a teenager or whatever. She was a young black female and she's and she didn't identify as black. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not your Negro. Or it's something like that. Like, I'm not Negro. I'm not like the rest of you commoners. Yeah, and I laugh at that, but that's what that reminds me of. It's like when people are like, you know, it doesn't affect me. And I think I remember, I remember when Little Wayne was like, when Little Wayne caught heat about his comments towards Black Lives Matter, and he was just like, "The fuck, that doesn't apply to me. White people love me. The fuck." Do you see me? I'm getting paid. I'm getting rich. My family can eat. And I'm just like, I'm ad living. But that was the mentality that he had. And, you know, the problems they, you know, regular common folk would have, he doesn't apply to. So he probably wouldn't be, you know, fighting that fight or that struggle. And a lot of people back in the day, too, civil rights movement wasn't as wasn't popular until after the facts. That's a fact. And I do want to make a point on that because I do have some insider information about that because my grandmother is 92 years old. And so she, she didn't explain to me about the mind. She's from Mississippi. And so she didn't explain to me the mindset of a lot of people during that time where like movies and documentaries had painted that a lot of black people, basically all black people was involved in the civil rights movement. That was definitely not the truth. And this comes from somebody who actually was alive and she was in her 30s and 40s during the civil rights movement. So she was definitely alive and very coherent during that time. And she explained to me very vividly that uh, most black people wasn't involved. It was a lot of risk involved. It, you had risk to die, lose your job. They was lining people up at your job and say, are you part of the civil rights movement? Do you have any affiliation with Martin Luther King or any other leaders in that in that area where you live? And if you did, you was fired immediately. And your name was put in the list and some newspapers at the time was publishing your name. So the Klan would see your name Damn. and know where you live. 
So it was a very, it was a lot of risk involved. It wasn't a lot of people. Now I will say a lot of people was hoping they were doing their thing. They was hoping like, oh, I hope y'all do good. Now more of the younger people was involved as we already know, because Martin Luther King was a young man. But a, a lot of older people was very averse to it. Very averse. Now a lot of people prayed for him. It was a lot of that going on. You want to say that was involvement? Pray, hope y'all do good. You know, and they might have donated five dollars in the collection plate. You know, they picked up some money from the church. But other than that, people wasn't really involved in in the, in the way that it's seen, it's portrayed. Where it's like now it's kind of big up and it's hyped up and it, it is great to be involved. You was any involved in the right movie, you golden. You can do interviews. You can do you know you can write books. You can do you know if you was anywhere involved. But back at that time, it was not the case. It was very dangerous, especially in the state of Mississippi. It was very dangerous. very. And I want to make that a point because a lot of people kind of, you know, uh, put up the civil rights movement like it was just some movement that, that everybody was just in and we was all together. And that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, you're correct. And I think about it in today's sense that now that black people have more opportunity that, you know, more black people are educated. They can at least get a decent job with a degree or whatnot. And we have more opportunities to be successful, to gain money and things of that nature, that that struggle isn't for everybody. Now you're thinking about it more so as a class issue than a black versus white issue. And uh, and I, I get that. I see that. I understand that. But then when you look at stuff like, you know, police brutality, when you look at stuff as stereotyping, um, stereotyping and racial profiling on these streets, I say the same thing to everybody. And I can only go by Chicago because it's like, you know, that's what I know. Well, if you go on 75th Street and cops look at you a little dirty and, and look at you a little suspect or what have you, they don't give a damn if you from the suburbs. You still a nigga yep. at, the en- at the end of the damn day. So it doesn't matter if you are part of the 1% or you are, you know, poor. You are below the poverty line. You still a nigga. The fuck you doing? They don't give a shit. The only problem so- with that is you are very true in your statement, but that one instant or that one moment, how often would that affect that person? Because if you are of a higher you know, status in life or you live a high, you might not be in those areas that often. And with that being said, even though you do, you may have bad experience with the police. Sometimes you can't forget because in certain places, no matter what race you are, if you got enough money, people going to treat you nice. And that's okay. the unfortunate, you know, reality we have to face. Cause a lot of people, they won't be with us cause they don't feel it. Like they won't feel the pressure. Like I don't feel like I need to be in part of no movement or help black people as a collective. Cause yeah, y'all might be doing bad, but I looked at my bank account and my career and my kids and the school they go to, they doing great. And I feel like that's fake nasty <laughs> nice because as soon as you do something that's wrong, you out of there. And you saw that with OJ Simpson. And the thing about it is this, we still get racially profiled even with that 1%. And I know, I know for a fact that entertainers and people part of the 1% feel that because there was a documentary. I don't know if it was for Oprah. I don't know where I saw this at, but it was part of, it was black people part of the 1%. And these people own businesses and what have you. And they talked about their story. These are very posh. These are very, you know, bouge, bourgeoisie. You can't say bougie when you have that much money. They were <laughs> your bourgeoisies. Yeah. And, they talked about how that, you know, we still get stereotyped because most people who think that they have the this money, oh, you do music. Oh, are you a football player? Because the only way that black people can make money in America is if you sing or if you dance or if you can uh 
shoot a ball, play a ball, do something with a damn ball. That's that's stereotyping within itself. And I don't know if that is a good enough reason for you to want to go ahead and make change or what have you. But I think everybody from the 1% all the way down to people below poverty line still deal with that. And I still think that, you know, going back to originally to why we even started this conversation, it's, it's still important for that vote to be heard. And when we allow, and I think it's more so a thing of we allow to a degree voting suppression to happen because we also don't say anything. And I made that comment earlier in this episode. We don't say anything. We don't promote it. We just basically be like, well, fuck it then. I ain't going to vote. Fuck y'all. I'm not going to vote. And I think that you know, turning, you know, those no's and creating that yes for you goes a long way. Now, a lot of people don't got the same spirit as I do, don't have that same mentality, don't really want to do much else. And again, it goes into, okay, I voted now, what? But I think that if we want it to change, we also have to do something. No, I agree. We do have to do something, but I feel like a lot of people on their day-to-day, they're just not that concerned. Even though they did fight to do something or give voter expression, they, at the end of the day, since we live in a capitalistic society, a lot of people mind speak, especially a lot of young people, is money, money, money. And me, five like, man, if, it ain't, if it ain't giving me no... Exactly. And if it's not giving me no money, it's not helping me progress in my personal life. Not not, not living for us. See, that's what a lot of people did in the civil rights movement. It was just living their life for themselves. They had lived, they had lived a, a more selfish life. Now we live a more selfish life. And so with that being said, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I could sacrifice and I could, you know, fight for voter suppression and do the stuff and do the, all that, but, you know, it ain't give me no money. And all those people in the city rights movement, they was poor. So I ain't trying to be poor. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to be rich. So or I'm trying to have, make money. I'm trying to make my family better. And it's, and it's no fault to somebody who wants to do that. But with that being said, somebody has to sacrifice or we all just going to be doing okay in it, but the collective still doing bad. That's the problem. Because the collective of us is still doing bad. That's, that's, what, that's what's scary about it. it. A lot of people are making individual scribes, but collectively we're still doing terrible. He's still the bottom of the barrel. But... I think that also is a conversation for another time because I also feel like, you know, we are up, we're getting to that point where we need to wrap it up. <laughs> so I'm going wrap to right now, right? Like I said, because I definitely don't feel like we've been on this thing for 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely was like, this is a re- this is a regular conversation, y'all. Like, me and Jay actually have conversations outside of like, you know, podcasting and stuff like that. Like, we literally will have like hours of conversations talking about nonsense, and the conversation just flows and go like so left. Like, originally, what I called for or what he called for is not what we end up with when we hang up the phone. So, this is actually very normal but they're good conversations and I hope that you all like appreciated the conversation that is started I'm gonna end it here I'm gonna pose a a question of all if you all want to comment your story on voter suppression or if you live in a state that you notice the voting suppression or how do you feel about voting suppression as a whole and also to what we also did not talk about which we could have a part two Hey, that could be a thing too. It's how do we change it? 
I think a lot of times that we pose the question, we pose the problem, but we don't also come with solutions. So if you all want to do a part two, let me know. That might be a thing. So, but I'm going to pose a question. You all can email civildiligence at gmail.com. You all can follow the Facebook and you all can follow Instagram. You all can also listen to Civil Diligence on SoundCloud. Sorry, I had a blank. SoundCloud, Google Play or Music. I give you all the links. Yeah, you know, you can play that. Just do a Google search and it'll show up. And you can also listen to it on iTunes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, great. Also, too, if you haven't already, check out the website, civildiligence.com. Jay, please give the Black Detour your shout-out and what, where they can find you and the Black Detour. Yeah, so you can definitely find the Black Detour at theblackdetour.com. That'll be T-H-E-B-L-A-C-K-D-E-T-O-U-R.com. You can find us in all the articles that we write. You can also follow us on social media at the Black Detour on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And just go ahead and follow us and, you know, be interactive with us. And, uh, you know, you can do that. Awesome, too. It is a wonderful time. So, as always, people, be in the kingdom, be great, be blessed, have a phenomenal week, and I'll see you next time. Bye!